Welcome to the Autism Outreach Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Griffin, and I have a delightful conversation for you today with Dr. Eric Jacobson. He works for Upstate CP, and he is a wealth of information. He talks all about how to transition from a caretaking model to more of an instructional model for the clients and students that he is serving. And wow, they are touching so many lives and providing compassionate care. So if you want to provide compassionate care for your learners, I am delighted for you to tune into this conversation today. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Welcome to the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a wonderful guest with us today, uh, somebody I'm excited to connect with again. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Eric Jacobson, to the podcast. I am thrilled that you are here. Rose Griffin, I'm thrilled as well to be here. It's awesome (laughs) to uh, chat with you today. Yeah. And I feel like we're kind of living parallel lives. We have a lot of the same colleagues and you go to conferences and you're doing great work. And um, I think we met a long time ago, haven't talked since then. So, uh, but you always are so supportive of my work and hopefully vice versa. So I'm excited (laughs) for everybody to learn about you, but I don't know the answer to this question. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about you and kind of your journey into the field and, you know, how you decided you wanted to go into the field and, um, you know, what you're up to now? That's a good question of how I got to this point of where I am in uh, in life. I just uh, had my 50th birthday, so I had an opportunity to reflect um, a lo- about a lot of different things. Uh, but um, yeah, I think how I ended up getting the field was um, I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon as an undergrad in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I was, it was a brief stop at John Carroll University where uh, uh, Megan DeLeon went to uh, school. Oh. Um, but then I ended up going to, to uh, Carnegie Mellon and they really have a um, quite an impressive uh, experimental um, psychology program there. So I got a lot involved in um, or got involved in a lot of research while I was there. I ended up uh, taking a position just for a year after. After, after school with uh, Sheldon Cohen, who um, uh, works in the field of psychoneuroimmunology. But anyways, th- uh, not that I was interested in looking at how the, how people um, can um, uh, develop colds, but that was his area of research, um, which was particularly interesting for me. But it, I ended up getting curious about research questions. And I think curiosity built from my time at, at Carnegie Mellon. I then went off to um, graduate school at University of South Carolina fighting Gamecocks and um, uh, was in their clinical psychology program that also has a community psychology um, wing to it. And so you learned both about, you know, micro um, uh, 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 clinical work and then more macro type interventions as well, things that were done in the schools or community. Um, So that really got me interested in more large scale uh, both research and kind of evidence-based practices. Um, during my time at um, USC, I also worked in schools, uh, mostly alternative schools within their um, uh, special education departments, um, doing therapy and doing all kinds of things like having to give the sex education talk to middle schoolers, um, which was <laughs> <Fun>. uh, fabulous. <laughs> So then, I, you know, I ended up, um, that took me one thing to another. And um, I, when I got my degree and um, uh, my PhD, I ended up 
um, finding my first job in a uh, preschool program in Long Island. The only one that was hiring um, uh, unlicensed psychologists. I still needed a year of supervision and um, got me really involved in the um, special education within New York State. And so um, from there, my wife and I, who's also a psychologist, we um, wound up going upstate. Um, and that's where we got positions at Upstate Cerebral Palsy at the time. It's now Upstate Caring Partners. Um, and that was really my journey at that point from working with preschoolers for about four years. Prior to that, I'd worked in a lot of different settings and I was really comfortable working in um, different settings, but I liked congregate, congregate settings. Um, mm -hmm. I liked working within a team environment. And mm -hmm. then I wound up at, at Upstate uh, Cerebral Palsy and um, have been here since, although I, I took a brief um, trip to a uh, program that's more of a, a mental health program for about four years, but I've been here ever since. So, you know, we, you know, Upstate Cerebral Palsy really serves individuals across the lifespan for um, intellectual and developmental disabilities from EI all the way up through uh, adult services. We have around 315 people that we provide uh, residential services for, and 72 of those um, are from our school age program, which is known as Tradewinds. Oh, um, interesting. So, yeah. So, yeah, so it's um, that was, you know, back in 2006 and things have changed quite oh. a bit um, over time from wow. there, but that was all part of the journey. Wow. Amazing. So wait, so you, you know, I'm in the Cleveland area. So you were at John Carroll for a year. I didn't realize I, that. Okay. I, I think we talked about that. Yeah. I'm originally from um, outside of Warren, Ohio, which is outside of Youngstown. Ooh. Total Rust Belt guy. Oh, um, I didn't and, um, remember that. Actually, the Warren, Ohio, as a sidebar, has this really cool place called the Grand Resort. It used to be called the Avalon. I don't know if you ever went oh, there, but it's I know really the Avalon. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's actually very nice. There's like lots of golf, and it's really pretty for that golfer, area. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, fun. Okay. Interesting. Love that. Yeah, Megan. She just did a talk for us last week. It was obviously amazing. She's so yep. great. Um. So yes. Yeah, so okay. So with Upset Caring Partners, I know that you've made a shift from more of a caretaking model, model to more of an instructional model using ABA. I guess, how did that start? Can you tell us the journey of how that started and, and how Absolutely. has that been going? Yeah. I would say I first started um, in 2011 when I decided to leave that I needed a break. Yeah. I felt like, you know, for the, the population that we were working with, adults with moderate to severe disabilities, I should say moderate to severe intellectual disabilities with mm -hmm. and without other uh, developmental disabilities like um, autism. Like I, I, I couldn't figure out how to have um, long-term impacts related to their challenging behavior. I felt mm -hmm. like I was constantly in this whack-a-mole, like let's handle this problem and then let's go mm -hmm. handle this problem. And that we weren't really able to improve the quality of the, the lives the way that I want to. So I ended up taking um, some time away, although I stayed on as a consultant during that time um, and officially came back in 2015. And I said, if I come back, I really want to do this differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started going about trying to figure out what would be the best practices particularly related to challenging behavior. At that time, the clinical department was, um, you know, our, our chief firefighters and we were running around and yeah. just managing crises. Um, we would staff those challenging cases all day long. And at that point, um, it was a, a group of individuals that were in our clinical department that could be social workers, mm -hmm. general psychology, master's degrees, some school psychologists, uh, but it wasn't certainly as um, fine-tuned as where we are today with, mm -hmm. with our department. Um, and um, still on, on the journey to figure that out, it was kind of a uh, serendipitous moment that I ended up going to APBA 
in New Orleans in 2017 mm-hmm. because the agency had uh, a two um, uh, plane tickets that they needed to use in a brief period of time. Okay. And I was looking at some place that I'd never gone to before. And I said, this looks like it would be a good place to go. It was <laughs> a great place to go. And on the second day, I believe, I ended up walking into a um a symposium um, that was around challenging behavior. Mm-hmm. And a number of Greg Hanley students were presenting in that symposium. I could have mm-hmm. easily gone into another um, another <laughs> presentation, but I ended up um, in that um, symposium. Greg was in that symposium as well, though he wasn't a presenter. He was fielding oh. questions related to his ISCA at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm still a, a lover of the term ISCA. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we were um, trying to figure out what we could do differently. And I was really touched by the presentation uh, of uh, of mm-hmm. his students and of Greg. Um, he got up, he was funny. He was a lot of controversy around what he was doing at the time, apparently, mm-hmm. but he was, you know, that, that there seemed to be a buzz around this, this intervention, but he talked mm-hmm. about, you know, a brief um, way of analyzing behavior that was more of a direct way to do it. And it was something that we always wanted to move towards in this agency is like, let's get our clinicians in front of the behavior to try to understand it. Mm-hmm. And let's get a, a set of um, a sequence of interventions that we could do to improve the quality of life. And that just, it, it, um, it was really hit hit for me of something that could be done. Um, mm-hmm. From there, we ended up um, tracking down Greg to come on to our site in 2017. I said, wow. I don't have any BCBAs that work for our agency at this time. We had a mm-hmm. couple of consultants, um, but no one that was working for us. And he said, yeah. that's okay. We've done it before. And, and that kind of led to the start of moving into this uh, instructional model. So what mm-hmm. Greg led to was we got down into those cab branches, mm-hmm. um, uh, contextually appropriate behavior, where we we're trying to teach something. And we realized that we had a lot of stupid goals that we were working on for the individuals <laughs> that were in our program, right? <laughs> I they like were that. doing They were yeah. doing worksheets. You could walk into anything in, into some right. of our classrooms. It was like mm-hmm. worksheets on Christopher Columbus, hand over right. hand craft things where we're going to give it to the parent. Right. Or staff doing the hand over hand and putting it in the student's um, backpack. It yep. was just, it was wrong. And you knew that. And you're like, how do I get out of this mess? Right. He gave me a way to get out of it. Um, but what we got from that was we need a better, um, we need a better curriculum for addressing needs for the students that are in our program, which are students with moderate to severe disabilities, yeah. intellectual disabilities, um, almost all with intellectual disabilities and about 80% with the co-occurring autism spectrum disorder. So that's, that's our population that we deal with about 40% come into our program with no forms of communication. Mm. Our history was about 40% would leave our programs without any form of communication. So we really didn't have a lot of evidence-based practices going on back then. And this is like 2017, but we knew we wanted to go in a different direction. And, and so um, going up into those cab branches is when we eventually landed on the um, central for living and and the work with Pat McGreevy, Troy Fry and mm-hmm. connecting with them over that curriculum that really spoke to what needs to occur for our students. Let's mm-hmm. go address essential skills. Let's not pretend anymore that we're giving skills that they're never really gonna gonna give. I'm sorry, I like got a gnat there. <laughs> um, so like so so that really led us to a better way of providing services. Um, during this time as well, we started working more with uh, Joanne Mateo from Pyramid. Um, around pets in particular and mm-hmm. moving that into our program as one of the um, uh, most used um, AAC in, in our program at this point um, and being able to train our staff in order to deliver on that service. And so that's what we've been doing probably more in earnest since about 2000. 
18, 19 with Joanne, mm-hmm. when we were doing that. Um, uh, some other neat stuff that has come along the way with this instructional model was how we are going to pr- provide more of a compassionate approach to building strong relationships, mm-hmm. creating safe, uh, safe environment, but also doing it in a dignified way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we started doing the universal protocols often kind of associated with happy, relaxed, engaged. Um, and that was what we started in, um, at the beginning of 2020, Greg was working with us more at a, at an agency level at that point. Mm-hmm. And he came the last week before the world shut down oh. and we started putting these universal protocols together in our school age program and in our adult program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during this COVID time, we just continued to um, go after it. COVID provided some interesting opportunities in that, um, everyone was, was back. All of our individuals that reside with us residentially mm-hmm. yeah. were back in their homes and you could address some of the home issues with mm. the clinicians that were on site. Um, so we, you know, that really kind of pushed us into this more instructional model. We're definitely on the, on the right path, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So I, it's a fascinating, I guess, from like a business standpoint, I'm wondering, so you decide you're going to do this, make this shift. And I think you have some line you, you use like shift. Oh, we so make sure you... tap in. This is a Troy Fry. I always okay. get to say it to me. Uh, okay. We, we have a lot of words, a lot of phrases. With okay. Shift, I, I, I follow. Yeah. Yes. I follow you. Make shift happen. I'm, you know, I talk about social media a lot because that's where I live, but um, make shift happen. I like that. I'm thinking then it's a staffing, it's a training and a staffing issue. So you're realizing you're going to try to transition to this instructional model, which is really yep. amazing. And I love it. And I've taken the 10 hour Dr. Hanley. If you're a speech therapist and you don't know, just Google Hanley. I'm, you know, I've had Dr. Corey Whalen on and some of his students. Um, who, he's great. Yeah, he's great, right? Um, so I'm thinking you probably now you have to employ then. Did you hire a BCBA then? What was that like? How do you find your first BCBA? Right. And now I know you have a lot more BCBAs, but what was that? How did you find that first BCBA? That was probably a fun hire. It was a fun hire because it was one of our consultants that was working. Um, almost full-time through one of our um, agencies that we were affiliated with at that time uh-huh. who said, Eric, would you ever think about hiring a BCBA? And I'd say, you ever think about it? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so we hired um, Allison Kim, who was, I believe was on our conversation when we spoke uh, many moons ago. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> um, and we ended up hiring her at the end of 2018. Okay. And we are now, um, and then we really, that was our first one. We were like, okay, we'll yeah. have a consulting uh, BCBA right. that will go around and just be awesome mm-hmm. and help um, shape up this instructional model. But from there, what we did with the the VP um, that still oversees, the senior VP that oversees the education division is we went about, um, that's Jeremy Earl. we went about shaping up what our staffing model could look like. Yeah. So then we shifted to a one BCBA for every two classrooms. Um, we run a six one 3.5 uh, program in trade winds. And yeah. this was primarily where we were focused at that time is like, there's money in our school programs. Let's right. figure out ways that we could utilize that to leverage um, outcomes that we wanted to get to. Um, we ended up looking at, you know, what sort of positions do we need? And we needed more of these BCBA. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the goal. We ended up um, recruiting outside. And at that point, it was like right at the beginning of um, COVID times when we really started to be able to recruit differently. And I think some of it was um, COVID circumstances where yeah. some of the clinics were shutting down or mm-hmm. work didn't um, necessarily look um, like what someone wanted to do. Yeah. People still wanted to do on-site stuff. We mm-hmm. um, provide the opportunity for that. And then we were running this cool model. I mean, the thing about um, about Greg is that there's um, 
that the work he does speaks to the direction people want to go. The value mm-hmm. he lives a, a, a it's a very value oriented treatment. And mm-hmm. I think it hit at, at a crossroads at the time that people were like, yes, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So that was back probably 2019 where, where um, started a little bit of traction around it. And then as we went into this um, COVID time, then we were just able to recruit differently. So we were, were able to get people from throughout the country to the program. Mm-hmm. Some have stayed, some have left. And I know that's part of the industry is not everybody's mm-hmm. going to say, particularly in central New York for the, for the life, but come here, learn some skills, learn this mm-hmm. model and leave a better person because of it and be able to do things that you weren't able to previously do. And that's that's kind of the model and the advice that I always give people is like, get the skills early in your career mm-hmm. so that you can do amazing work later in your career, like being able to supervise, um, but don't jump too quickly into that supervisory position before mm-hmm. you really have the skills down. And if you could do this work with this complex group of students that we have that come throughout New York mm-hmm. State into our program, mm-hmm. it's really going to make you a stellar clinician. So um, we shifted from the clinician solely being responsible for um, challenging behavior mm-hmm. to providing more broad quality oversight over what's going on in the classrooms, identifying the right goal, working directly with the certified teacher. Many of our classrooms right now, it's really hard to find certified teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have talented aides or RBTs that are leading the classroom. So mm-hmm. they're working with them while we're, we uh, attempt to continue to recruit teachers. Um and that they're able to, those BCBAs are, are able to really craft what are the goals that we want to work with. We use a lot of the essential for living for mm-hmm. identifying the goals that we want to work on. And that's what informs our, our IEPs are those, uh, is that um, necessary nine skills is w- what we try mm-hmm. to focus most on for our students. Yeah, I love that. And if you haven't heard of that, I, I love that. I got my district when I was working in a district to purchase that because I was working with older students and I love the essential nine skills. And I love how you're transparent and saying like, you know, we were working on crafts and we were doing worksheets and that I knew that wasn't what was best. But to make this change is is a process, right? A marathon, not a sprint. So it sounds like you're doing amazing Absolutely. work. And it's really exciting for people like with the recruiting piece where you're having, you know, Dr. Hanley and Essential for Living team come in and train. And that is a really exciting time. I went a lot, many moons ago, I worked at the Cleveland Clinic and we would have people like Peter Gerhardt. You know, one time Peter Gerhardt came in and talked to like a room full of like 15 of us. And I knew that was not lost on me on how special that was because now I've since seen him keynote all these conferences and I just love him. Um, but those are really cool experiences for people to have and um, really building their competency of care for, for where they're going to work. So it sounds like you've done so many great things. What What is kind of the future? What are your future goals um, for Upstate CP? So yeah, so the it's funny, we, you, the issue that we brought up with crafts, be, because before we would have like maybe a staff member doing crafts. Right. Now we, we actually, you see a lot of crafts going on in our program. Mm-hmm. We are using a lot more event-based teaching in That's order right. to um, address some of those IEP goals or those mm-hmm. skills that we want to teach, but right. doing it through the crafts, whether it's staying with a group, whether it's yeah. something actually about the craft it, itself, whether it's um, being able to to tolerate, um, you know, a, an activity that they may not have previously wanted to tolerate, but to do it very much in that HRE kind of way. Mm-hmm. So you're not forcing, um, but you are trying to collaborate um, around that around that skill. So um, you see a lot of that. So event based teaching is pretty um, front and center for us. Is how do we do that as much as possible throughout the day? Mm-hmm. Um, have school be less like traditional school, but more like life. 
because mm-hmm. many of our students stay in residential care mm-hmm. or are at home um, living with their, their parents after. And we want to give them a set of skills that are going to improve the quality of life, improve the quality of life for their caregivers as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're not as dependent on them. So leisure skills, um, mm-hmm. being able to get those essential communication skills are so important mm-hmm. to us. And, you know, that's why a really heavy focus on, on building those uh, communication skills, whether it's through kind of SPT and more um, functional communication training or just br- building out their overall our uh, overall repertoire of, of uh, communication skills. So big focus on that. Uh, we also have hired a director of applied research um, and she is no longer a director of applied research because she has a new title. Um, <laughs> as of last week, she's the AVP of uh, applied research, Dr. Megan Boyle, uh, who came to us from uh, Missouri State. Uh, back in 2022. And so she's gone about this year really developing some lines of research um, mm-hmm. in the in our program. Um, so some areas that she's focused on, uh, elopement, focused on some work around um, skills-based treatment, and then focused on um, some work with behavioral contrast, which is a, a topic near and dear to her heart. And she actually spoke in a way that I that I understood it, um, <laughs> which was great. Um, so we have that area. We're hiring a new BCBA right now to work under Ether, just solely doing research, mm. uh, which we're excited about. And then we're also hiring a data analyst to help build up our way of collecting data. We're still not where we need to be with collecting more aggregate mm-hmm. data. And that's, you know, that's something that has been a hurdle for us and that we're looking to get figured out by the end of this year and into next year. So that's a big piece. Um, a lot of work around uh, uh, retention and recruitment of staff over on our uh, mm-hmm. residential side. So we're building up that end. John Horn is our um, newly minted AVP of uh, behavior analysis, and he's going to be uh, overseeing the overhaul of what behavior analysis looks like in residential programs, which will probably founded more in RBTs than mm-hmm. it will be in BCBAs. It's a tough group to recruit from. In our area, we have very few BCBAs. When we started it, I think it was like in a 50-mile radius, there was like 12. Um, and so, wow. yeah, I know. it's that, that, was, that was real. So, you know, in addition to recruiting outside, we've also um, grew a, our, our own BCBAs, sent right. people back to, um, to school. Mm-hmm. Um, nice thing with it is that we're able to pay for a good majority of people in our school program to go back to school. We had um, are able to pay for almost all of it over on our residential side. Mm. Um, so those are things if someone's looking to um, to go on to, to school and not incur debt, I would certainly look for agencies like ours and they exist all over the place that will likely send you back to school to get your master's degree, to get mm. your certification coursework that didn't exist when you and I were in school. That, like, that <laughs> right. wasn't possible. But this is a whole new world that we're living in because- right. <laughs> The the um the workforce has like fallen out and right. like ours are looking just to how do you continue to survive the foundation of that mm-hmm. is having talented staff and having talented clinical staff is big for me so so that's big and then we have a conference coming up as well in um uh, July of 2024 we put on our first conference in 2022 and we're going to do it every other year biannual nice. conference and um, this year we have. Um, uh, a two-day conference in Utica, New York. Uh, some more details are coming out soon. I have to, I'm jumping through my final hurdles, um, mm-hmm. but we have some initial um, uh, agreements from people that are looking to come. Uh, Ditu Rajaraman, uh, Megan um, uh, Leon would be there. 
Um, Peter Gerhardt gave an initial okay. Um, Pat and uh, Pat McGreevy, Troy Fry, uh, Greg Hanley's group will be there. So we have that. And we did that last time where we had um, a lot of big names at the conference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then um, we also had practitioners were able to go up and talk about how they're bringing this stuff to life, what mm -hmm. that data looks like, challenges mm -hmm. that they're dealing with. And we're going to expand that this year that you have more of a voice for people that are doing great work in the field to mm -hmm. be able to present that work. Likely be a little bit of a skewed towards PFA, SBT, um, but also some of the work around um, EFL, uh, essential skills. Um, Andy Bondi is going to be there. Um, hopefully, he, he's, he gave an initial agreement. Um, <laughs> all these people are initial agreements. So we got to go back. <laughs> they're not in contract or anything yet. But um, it's nice that you got people that want to come together, like-minded people that are interested in um, uh, to this kind of synergy that you get in a kind of small bo boutique type conference like this. And they all come to Utica, which is one of those things that I never thought I would say. <laughs> Haven't been there, so not sure what that means, but it sounds small. Not many people <laughs> have been to Utica, right? <laughs> okay, um, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, so those are some of the, I think, some of the big things that we're doing. We, we're doing a lot of cool work in our adult program with under John, so looking to expand that. I, I think showing our state that yeah. just because someone's in an adult day have doesn't mean that they need to stop learning skills and that you don't need to mollify the whole environment mm -hmm. in order to, to give them that skills. Um, we also have some cool stuff going on in our preschool program where we have a few self-contained pro, uh, self-contained classrooms that we're developing this year. That's mm. going to be part of a response to intervention model so that mm. we can address those behaviors that are hard to address in more of an inclusive setting, particularly yeah. for kids with severe problem behavior. We'll mm. use the preschool life skills as well mm -hmm. as PFA, SPT, and then get them ready for a, um, a less restrictive setting. Oh, wonderful. Gosh, yeah, so it's it was, cool stuff. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing all of that. I'm excited. And I think working with you would be amazing. So if somebody is looking for jobs, I want to go to Utica. Um, and no, but it sounds like a really vibrant kind of place. I mean, I love it. Um, so where can people find out more about you and your work? Or is there a website that's associated with your center? Absolutely. So um, upstatecp.org is our, our website. You can find information there. Um, certainly, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, um, become friends with me on Facebook. Um, you, you you may need to tell me why we're friends if I don't, if you don't have any other like friends, like Rose is not your friend. Um, do a lot of work on there on LinkedIn is other areas, but you can connect with the agency around it. I really do try to get out a lot of the work that I'm doing on my own personal um, pages. And I, I think that's important. Then you'll also see pictures of my family. Maybe my son scored a soccer goal. I mean, same, same. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great to connect. Oh, Rose this is awesome. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat about all the work that we're doing. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.